Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Today is Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. It is a day of celebration because Jesus is alive. Is Jesus alive? Amen. Amen. Our God is a living God. The resurrection, <laughs> the resurrection of Jesus is recorded in each of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It's recorded in each of those Gospels. But I'm going to read for you from Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And I want you guys to please go there with me. So that you can see with your own eyes the evidence, the evidence of God's love for you. And it also helps us to focus. <laughs> Matthew 28 verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Matthew 28 verse 1 Early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like the lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him. And they fell into a dead faint. I mean, they, it means they, they fell over, they fainted. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. <laughs> he isn't here. He isn't here in the grave. <laughs> he is risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen. Come. See where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The woman ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy. Filled with great joy. Are you filled with great joy this morning? And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Amen. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. I think it is so easy to read this and think, Oh, that's awesome. Let's, let's move on. This was truly amazing news. This was truly amazing news. For thousands of years, this has been prophesied. This, this event, this Jesus rising from the dead has been prophesied in the Old Testament and foretold. This is the key moment, the most important moment in history. The most important moment in history. Um, and Jesus' life... On earth, 
the most important moment of that as well, Jesus' life on earth. His mission was complete. He endured the cross and he did not regard the shame. Amen. This was the part of joy that was set before him. The resurrection of Jesus is a historical proven fact that we must just read. We just need to believe. Last year I made a three-part series about the resurrection of Jesus and how important the resurrection of Jesus is to the Christian faith. It is available on SoundCloud if you want, if anyone wants to go to listen to that. I don't know if you guys can remember, uh, but we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. And um, during Easter time, uh, our focus usually the cross and how amazing that is uh, and the love that God showed us by coming to die so that we can receive forgiveness for our sins and relationship with himself and that is so true and it's it's wonderful it brings me to tears every time i think of it but we need to remember the resurrection amen the death of christ means nothing without the resurrection the gospel is not the gospel it is not good news if there is no resurrection the resurrection of Jesus makes the gospel good news. Amen? Amen. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, the gospel would be bad news. It would be bad news. Today we are going to look at one of my favorite prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, his name is Jonah. Can you live Jonah? Jonah. The life of Jonah is almost just as amazing as the resurrection of Jesus. Because it is a picture of Jesus. Who knows the story of Jonah? Everyone knows the story of Jonah. Jonah and the whale. We read it as children. And we don't know what we are reading about. We don't know the, the meaning behind the story. Let's look at the story of Jonah. And see if we can find some things from Jonah's life. That is the same as Jesus' life. We call this playing peekaboo with Jesus in the Old Testament. Okay, peekaboo, I see you. If we read the Old Testament with glasses that are shaped like Jesus, you will see him popping up everywhere because the whole Old Testament points to Jesus. God chose Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh to warn them of God's judgment that was going to come if they did not turn to God. Okay? So this is, I'm telling you the story. Um, we're not going to read the whole uh, book of Jonah. I'm going to give you just some snippets from his life. Okay. <clears throat> Jonah was an Israelite and Nineveh was a city ruled by another country. Okay. The city that Jonah was sent to to preach um, was ruled by another country. Enemies of Israel. Okay. For Israel, it would be a good thing if the city of Nineveh was destroyed by God. It would benefit Israel. Okay, so we have to stand. I uh, have to understand this now. No? It was a city that was an enemy of Israel, and now God, He comes and He tells Jonah, "You must go to this city, and you must preach to them, and you must warn them that I am going to destroy the city if they don't turn from the evil ways." Okay. So Jonah did not want to go and preach in Nineveh. 
Remember, he is an Israelite. Nineveh enemy city, okay? Jonah did not want to go and preach in Nineveh because if Nineveh re- uh, turned to God, they would be saved. And Jonah wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. God wanted to save Nineveh. Think about that. That's amazing. God wanted to save Nineveh. He was sending Jonah, a preacher, to go preach in Nineveh, to tell them, turn from your wicked ways, turn to God. But Jonah is the one that doesn't want to go and preach, because he wants Nineveh to be destroyed. That's amazing. That shows us something of God's character. God wanted to save Jonah wanted the city to be destroyed. Jonah 1 verse 1. Let's go there. Jonah 1 verse 1. Jonah is in the end of the Old Testament. I'm not sure. Let's see. Way at the end of the Old Testament. He is called one of the minor prophets. He's not one of the major prophets, one of the minor prophets, they say. Joel, tell me if you found it. You got it. <laughs> ah, there we go. Jonah. So he is between Obadiah and Mika. Yes. How do you say it, Philip? Obadiah. How did I say it? Obadiah. <laughs> Obadiah. Obadiah. Oh, okay. Obadiah. 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 Okay. So Jonah 1 verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Okay, Lord, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Okay, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So here is the first similarity. Okay, the first way in which the story of Jonah is similar to Jesus. Okay. The city of Nineveh was full of wicked people and God was ready to judge Nineveh and bring an end to it. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria and Assyria was a very powerful and cruel nation. They were ruthless and violent towards the people of other nations that they conquered. Okay, so Assyria conquers a city. They take it over and they are very violent and cruel. They were godless. No, they weren't God-fearing people. They were doing terrible things. They were, they, were, they were evil. Okay? So what do you think, what does Nineveh represent? What does Nineveh represent? Sin? Yes? You are correct. It represents the, the lost world that we live in. Okay? You see how, what the picture or the line is that I'm drawing. Uh, Nineveh represents the world that we what that we live in. Romans three verse twenty three. Romans three verse twenty three says, "For everyone has sinned; we all fall short of God's glorious standard." Ephesians two verse one. Ephesians two verse one. 
Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. This is a, is a good uh, description of, of Nineveh and of us. No? It is describing our condition before we are saved. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Okay? So this is the, the comparison that I'm drawing, that Nineveh, this evil city, represents the world okay and each of us actually as well no? Nineveh is a small sample of the world that Jesus came into Jesus came into a world ruled by Satan into a world full of dead people whose hearts were slaves of the devil all of us was this way we all needed Jesus amen who can say amen to that amen. we all needed Jesus we need him desperately we need to understand that we cannot save ourselves. We were and are completely powerless to save ourselves. It is impossible and there is no way. If Jonah did not preach, uh, did not go to Nineveh and preach, then what would have happened? The city would have been destroyed. Absolutely. You are correct. If Jonah didn't go and preach, and the city would have been judged. What could Sodom and Gomorrah do? You know the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? Have you ever heard of those? They were also very evil cities. What could they do against God? Nothing, eh? The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed by God. They could do nothing. What could Egypt do against God when he wanted to lead the Israelites out? Nothing, eh? They could just endure those plagues. That God sent on them. So in the same way, we can do nothing. We cannot, it's impossible for us to save ourselves. We need to realize that. We are in a desperate need. The world out there is in desperate need. There is no other way to be saved. There is no other way. I don't know if, you, if we, I don't think we always think of it this way. But there is no other way. To have eternal life. There is no other way to be saved. Jesus is the only way. Amen. Amen. There is nowhere else to look. Jesus is the only way. Nineveh ended. Oh sorry. Nineveh needed the preaching of Jonah. Jonah had to warn Nineveh. To turn to God and repent. God is a just and fair God. And this is so beautiful. Of an example from the Old Testament. That shows that God does not want to condemn people. It is beautiful to me that God always sent a messenger. God always sent a messenger to warn people. And give them an opportunity uh, to repent. Before God brought the judgment in the Old Testament. Eh? To Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah that was. That, that God destroyed it by sending hail and fire from heaven. Eh? God sent someone there. God sent Lot and his, his uncle Abraham 
He sent Lot and his uncle Abraham to Sodom and Gomorrah to warn them. Okay? That is where Lot lived. He knew the Lord. He was preaching the gospel there. Or he was preaching repentance, I believe. And then, who did God send to, to the people in the time of Noah? Before the rains. He sent Noah. I, I'm not sure now how long they were busy building the ark. But it, it was probably close to 100 years. Do you know? 120 years. Noah was building the ark. Eh? And the people were seeing him build the ark. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. I think it says somewhere. I might be mistaken. But Noah was preaching. And the people had time to repent. Time to believe. Okay. Before God sent the flood. And then who did God send to Egypt? Moses. Moses and Aaron. They, they went back to Pharaoh every day saying, uh, let the people go. Eh? They were warning Pharaoh. Okay. So God always gives us a choice. That just shows us how merciful and how loving God is. His heart is not to destroy. His heart is to save us. That's so beautiful. Jonah represents Jesus who came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to a world lost in darkness and sin. Okay. Now Jonah was still a man, so he had his own motives and his own ideas. He ran away instead of going to preach. No? But only certain parts of these stories we can pull through to Jesus. Okay. He wasn't a perfect example of Jesus because he was just a man. Eh? But certain things that, that he did in his life was prophetic. Okay. <clears throat> okay, let's continue the story of Jonah. So instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah runs in the opposite direction. Completely opposite direction. If you look at a map, um, it's like, uh, Nineveh is here. He's going completely different direction. Okay. He gets onto a boat. Uh, and he goes to Tarshish. It's a weird name to say. Tarshish. <laughs> Shish. Sisman. <laughs> God. <laughs> God sent the storm over the sea. And eventually the sailors throw Jonah into the sea. After finding out that he is to blame for the storm. That was about to kill them. Okay. Jonah. We read in Jonah 1 verse 14. Jonah 1 verse 14. So the men cried to the Lord. Lord please don't say we are guilty of killing an innocent man. Please don't make us die for killing him. Okay. So this is the sailors on the boat. That is about to throw Jonah into the water now. Eh? This is what they are saying. We know you are the Lord. And you do, and sorry, and you will do whatever you want. So the men threw Jonah into the sea. The storm stopped, and the sea became calm. When the men saw this, they began to fear and respect the Lord. They offered a sacrifice and made a special and made special promises to God. When Jonah fell into the sea, the Lord chose a very big fish to swallow Jonah. And he was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. <laughs> That's amazing. Huh? Think about this. It's almost, it's unbelievable. Huh? 
it's unbelievable the things that our Lord can do, the things that God can do, and that He has done for us. This is amazing. Do you see Jesus in this story? <laughs> do you see Jesus in this story? It's pretty, it's pretty clear if you ask me. Okay. Firstly, the crew of the ship, we'll get to that part now, about the three days and three nights. But firstly, what stood out to me was, the crew of the ship throws Jonah into the sea, and they are saved. No? Does that sound familiar to you as well? A group of people, one man, one man dies for many. One is sacrificed in order to save the many. Mark 10 verse 45, you don't have to go there. Just write it down if you want. Mark 10 verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for many. So there we see once again a similarity between Jonah's story and Jesus. One man in place of many. Yeah? It's quite cool. Or oh, I, I find that cool. <laughs> One man dies so that many can live. Okay, and we are included in the many. No? We are part of the many that Jesus died for. Okay, instead of drowning, God sends a giant fish or a whale to swallow Jonah and take him back to Nineveh. <laughs> Once again, we see the mercy and the grace of God. He does not punish Jonah. God didn't decide to punish Jonah by letting him drown. Imagine this, you are the God of the universe, you send a human being to go tell a city to repent, and he doesn't want to do that. He tries to run away, he's disobedient, what, what would we have done? Let him drown, <laughs> no, let him drown, I'll find someone else to go and preach. God doesn't do that. God sends a whale, a fish, to swallow Jonah. And, um, yeah, to go and swallow Jonah. And he turns around that whole situation. And he turns it into this beautiful story that we can read today as a prophecy of what was to come. God uses it for His purposes. He does something truly amazing. Because think about it. A whale swallows a man. And he survives inside the whale for three days and three nights. Huh? I, I don't like saying it this way, but it's as impossible as the resurrection. Amen? Thank, thank goodness our God is the God that does the impossible. A man swallowed by a giant fish or a whale, who then survived inside the whale for three days and nights, and then he is spat out alive at the place God wanted him to be. That's awesome. That's unbelievable. But if <laughs> it is believable, if we believe in God, nah. but if we can believe that a man rose from the dead, then we can believe that a man was swallowed by a whale who lived in a whale. Think about it. That, that's crazy for me. He survived in a whale for three days and three nights. That shows you how, how far God would go to make sure that the city of Nineveh, that the lost, will be saved. That's beautiful. Not only does God use Jonah to save a city from judgment, 
but he uses Jonah's life as a prophecy, a picture of what he would eventually do for the whole world. From in, inside the fish, Jonah prays a prayer to God. Okay, we are at Jonah 2 verse 1. Jonah 2 verse 1. <coughs> Inside the fish, Jonah prays a prayer, this prayer to God. This is how we know that Jonah was alive in the fish, because you can't pray if you are dead, eh? Or can you? I'm not sure. I don't think so. <laughs> Jonah 2 verse 1. He says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And now listen, eh? Listen and think about what you are reading, okay? Think about Jesus as well. Let's see if we can see something of Jesus in this prayer. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and He answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wind and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Does that sound familiar? Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. Wow. The prayer that Jonah prayed gives us little peeks at what Jesus might have been feeling and thinking about when he was hanging on the cross. It's a description of what happened to him when he died. In verse 4, Jonah expresses the feeling of being far away from God. Let's look at verse 4 again. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. No? Um, so, Jonah expresses the feeling of being far from God, as if God had left him. On the cross, Jesus said something very similar in Mark 15, verse 34. Mark 15, verse 34. In Mark 15, verse 34, you can keep your fingers at Jonah. Um, it says, Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, uh, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? On the cross, for a moment, Jesus also felt far from God's presence, as if God had abandoned him. Wow. And that we see this in, in Jonah as well. Eh? Oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Jesus felt far from God's presence while he was hanging on the cross. Verse 5 says that there was seaweed wrapped around Jonah's head. Seaweed wrapped around Jonah's head. That makes me think of the crown of thorns that was on Jesus' head. Now, there's no references in the Bible that connects that verse to the crown of thorns. But, I don't know, maybe, maybe it could be a reference to that. 
Okay. So don't quote me on that one, but seaweed wrapped around Jonah's head sounds like a crown of thorns around Jesus' head for me. The King James Version puts verse 6 this way. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. It sounds a lot like Psalm 16 verse 10. Psalm 16 verse 10 is a messianic psalm. A messianic psalm means that it points to Jesus. Okay? Do me a favor and go read Psalm 22 when you get home. That is also a messianic psalm. And it's a beautiful psalm describing exactly what, what Jesus was experiencing on the cross. Okay, so write down Psalm 22 as well. But Psalm 16 verse 10 says, uh, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one, thine holy one is Jesus, to see corruption. That sounds a lot like the words of Jonah as well, doesn't it? Jonah says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Psalm 16 verse 10 For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Wow. The corruption that it is talking about here is the corruption of the human body. Okay? After a certain time in the grave. To put it simply, it means that God did not let Jesus' body rot in the grave. Okay? That is corruption. To rot. On, on the fraud in the graf, okay, to rot in the grave, just like he did not allow Jonah to die in the giant fish. He was raised to life, and Jonah was spat out. Okay, you see the connection. I think that's pretty cool. Verse seven uh, in Jonah, Jonah two verse seven. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. My salvation comes from the Lord alone. Amen. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. <laughs> imagine, imagine standing on the beach and there comes a whale out of the water and he spits out a human being who then stands up and goes into, go to Nanuri. That would be so funny, don't you think? Unbelievable. It's like, where did you come from now? Okay, but this is a picture of the resurrection. The whale spitting Jonah out is a picture of the resurrection. Death couldn't hold Jesus inside. Okay, so Jesus was resurrected. After the fish spat Jonah onto the beach, he finally obeyed God. <laughs> That's funny. 
He went to Nineveh and preached to them to repent of their evil ways. Nineveh received the word and they repented and were saved from the judgment that was to come over them if they rejected the message. Okay? Jonah 3 verse 5. Jonah 3 verse 5. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal, his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Okay, this was to show repentance. I will, I'm turning to God. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm turning to God. When God saw, and sorry, in verse 10, verse 10, Jonah 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Okay, so just this just shows us that no one is too evil. No one is too evil or too wicked for God to save. Alright? It doesn't matter how far gone someone seems to be. We might look at someone and think, no, this person, uh, he will never turn to Jesus. That's wrong. Okay? That's wrong. Just like Jonah, uh, just like Jonah we are called and sent to preach. We are not called and sent to decide whether we think people will accept Jesus. We are just called to preach. Amen. We, are, we don't have the right to decide for someone else whether we think they will receive the word or not. Okay, here Jonah goes to one of the most evil cities in that time. So evil that they were worthy of destruction. That God came to a point where he decided, I'm going to destroy the city for its wickedness. That's how bad it was. No? Because in the Old Testament, God didn't just destroy people. Okay? Um, it's like, uh, the best example is Sodom and Gomorrah. They became so evil that eventually God had to do something. Okay? And this was the case with the city of Nineveh as well. They became so evil that... And the evil was so much, everyone was completely lost. That God decided, no, I'm going to, I'm going to either have to, to uh, destroy them, or they need to repent. Okay. And so, this just shows us that it doesn't matter how someone looks. Many times we look at how people look, and we say, no, I'm that is, he's too far gone. He will never receive Jesus. No? That's just so wrong. We are called to preach the gospel. Amen? <clears throat> and this also shows us what God would do to save a city from judgment. And what God has done to save us from judgment. Amen? He sent Jesus. The city was saved when Jonah threw. Oh, the city was saved 
But then Jonah threw a little tantrum. But listen to the words of Jonah. Listen to his words. Jonah 4 verse 1. Jonah 4 verse 1. Says, This change of plans... Okay, so this is now after the city repented and God said, Okay, I'm not going to destroy them. No? This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God. Listen to these words. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Wow. But that's quite funny to me that Jonah knew God so well. I mean, listen to his words. You are a merciful and compassionate God. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. That's beautiful. He knew God. He knew God wanted to save the city and he knew that if he was to preach... They would believe. But Jonah did not want them to be saved. This might be a bit hard to hear, but maybe sometimes we also want to see people punished for their sin instead of saved. If that is the case, we need to see God's heart for them and forgive. Eh? Many times we feel if someone something bad happens to someone, we say, Ah, oh, he deserved that. You deserve that for, for all of the bad things that you have done. Yeah, God is punishing you. Eh? That is not the truth. Okay. We mustn't be like Jonah, who wanted people to get what they deserved, which was judgment. No? We, must, we must see God's nature, how He is a loving and merciful God, and how His desire is to save people. Okay. But that was the true story of Jonah. <laughs> and I say the true story of Jonah because it is amazing. About 800 years later, we find Jesus preaching the good news of the kingdom. Wherever Jesus went during his three years of ministry with his disciples, he performed many signs and wonders. He healed the sick, he gave sight to the blind, and he freed those under the oppression and the control of Satan. Matthew 12, verse 38. Matthew 12, verse 38. You have to go there. This is very good. You have to see this yourself. Matthew 12, verse 38. So... One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil and adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign, listen to these words, eh? <laughs> the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Yeah, that gives me, that gives me uh, goosebumps. 
For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, that those words prove to us that it was real. Jesus quoted it himself. Jesus pointed back to that, so we know that it is the truth. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Wow. And then 41, the people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now, someone greater than Jonah is here. And that is Jesus. He was talking about himself. But you refuse to repent. Okay, so the hearts of the Pharisees and the religious leaders were hard and cold. They did not want to believe in Jesus, so they ignored all of the signs, the miracles, the healings that he did. Here we have Jesus explaining to us exactly what the sign of Jonah was about. Jesus was saying that the only sign that we will get and that this world world will get is the sign of his own resurrection from the dead. The people in the time of Jonah did not see any miraculous signs from God. They just heard the preaching of Jonah, yet they believed and repented. The Pharisees and the religious leaders saw the miracles of Jesus and yet they refused to believe. What can we learn from all of this? Firstly and most importantly, I believe that we are called to believe the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. He says in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Then Paul continues, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. And what is that? That Christ died for our sins, as the scriptures said, and we just read the scriptures that said it, Jonah, and many other scriptures in the Old Testament. Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scriptures said. That's beautiful. Paul reminds the church what the true gospel is. He says that this is what the gospel is. The most important thing. This is the gospel that was passed on to him. The most important being that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and raised from the dead on the third day. All of this happened just as it was prophesied in the scriptures hundreds and and some even thousands of years before, before Jesus came. Secondly, what I got from this is that we should not be like Jonah that resisted when God called him to preach to the lost. 
I've never actually noticed this in the story of Jonah before. By Jonah's own words, our God is a merciful and compassionate God, filled with unfailing love. God never took pleasure in destroying people. His heart has always, since from the beginning of the world, been to save us and make us His bride. Jonah was the one who actually wanted to see Nineveh get what they deserve. But God does not give people what they deserve. He gives us so much better. He gives us so much better. Just like Jonah, we are called to preach the good news to the people who don't deserve it. Because did we deserve it? We also didn't deserve it, no? So how can we say to someone else, you don't deserve it? Lastly, we need to realize that just like Nineveh, people need to hear the gospel. They are in desperate need of someone to share the gospel with them. Many times people focus on the end times, saying that the time is, is, is up. We need to preach the gospel. The time is coming that Jesus is going to return. But I think it's even more urgent than that. Because people out there are dying every day. Every... I'm not sure how many people, there's a statistic, I'm sure you can go Google it. How many people die every minute of every day? It's thousands of people. And for them, their chance is over. Yeah. And we never know when we come into contact with someone whose moment is the last. Yeah. Ephesians 4 verse 2 that I'm going to end off my message today. Ephesians 2 verse 4. So beautiful. Ephesians 2 verse 4. I want you to really write this down and go write it on a piece of paper and paste it somewhere where you can see it every day. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God is so rich in mercy. God is rich in mercy. And He loved us so much. Just those two, those two phrases has so much power in it, so much truth. And we hear these truths every day or every Sunday, every week, but there really are people that do not know this. It's, it's, it's amazing to think about that, that people don't know that God is love and that God doesn't judge them. Um, verse 5 says that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse 6, for He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 7. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth. Incredible wealth means He is very rich, very rich in grace. His incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 8 God saved you
by His grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done as the world believes. I promise you the world believes this and we need to correct them. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. So that we can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca